I don't know which one was my favorite. I don't know. Um, but I like the line in, in this very room that she began with, to chase away any gloom. Anybody in here sick of gloom besides me? I've had too much gloom lately. I had to go to Indiana, as you know, to do a funeral of a two-year-old. She was born on December the 5th, 2012. And she died October the 8th, 2015. She lived 1,037 days. 24,898 hours, 1,493,000 minutes, 89,596,000 seconds. I'm a bit of a math. I put together how many days she had. It was not enough. That's the time she had, 1,037 days. A little bit about the funeral. To be a two-year-old's an angel, and so... We talk about what do you do with the angels, and that's what we talk about. And then at the end of the service, I did something I've never done before at a funeral. I gave homework to the family that was gathered. This is how we ended the service. I said, now that the angel is gone, I want to challenge you to live. Because Camille can no longer live extra for her. So I told them to do something you've been putting off, to finish something you started but never finished. Remember your dreams from yesterday that you've forgotten to do them today. Live extra. See what you can do in the next 1,037 days. And for those of us gathered at the graveside, we decided we were going to meet on August the 15th, 2018. Because that's 1,037 days from the funeral. To see what we could do. To see how we could make a difference. To see how much more we could do instead of just vegging out. So I've been motivated. This one motivated me. To do more and to live extra. To take it to another level. To do the very best I can. To live while there's still time. To do all that I can with all that I have. And so today I want to challenge you to do the same. See what you can do in the next 1,037 days before we go further with the prayer. God, thank you for the gift of life that if we're not careful, we take for granted. Motivate us to do all we can with what we have. Each one in this room unique, each one in this room different, each one in this room special. And you can do anything and everything through so that's what we need. Help. Amen. Our main scripture today is from Matthew 25, and I'm going to put it in the context before we look at it and tell you the story. The parable comes in the middle of Matthew, uh, some things that Matthew is teaching about. He starts in chapter 24, he's teaching about the end of time and when he'll come back, when Jesus will come back. He hasn't left yet, they're wondering when he'll come back, when's the end of the age. That's a big talk today. When's the world ending? We hear about it, the world ending, all that. When's that going to happen? So that happens in chapter 24. And Jesus says, you need to be on guard. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. But he says, be ready, because I'll come when it's least expected. So in chapter 25, you know it pretty well, begins 
with the bridegroom coming in the middle of the night to be ready to keep watch, we're told. And then chapter 25 ends with the separation of the sheep and the goats. You know that one really well. But sandwiched in between the bridegroom and the sheep and the goats is this one. The parable of the talents. And for both of you, it's very familiar. And it's pretty long, too. So I'm going to condense it into just a few sentences. Jesus told the story of masters getting ready to go on a journey. And in those days, they did. And because travel was so different today, it would be a lot different and kind of open-ended. When they get back, nobody would really know. You can't schedule a flight in those days. So the master's getting ready to go. He had to have people to run his stuff for him, so he called three of his slaves, three of his servants. So to one, he says, I'm going to entrust you with great wealth. So he gives them five talents, and I'm going to tell you what a talent is in a minute. To another servant, he gets two talents to deal with, to take care of, and to the last one, he gets one. If you're trying to figure out what a talent is, they still debate about that. Here it's a weight. It's a, it's a weight of, of, of precious metal. <coughs> Silver, likely, gold, some say. A talent represents between 75 and 100 pounds. And so the first guy is entrusted with 375 to 500 pounds of silver. A lot of bread or gold. The second one with 150 to 200 pounds, and the third, the last one with the 75 to 100 pounds. Here's another way to look at it. We're, of course, guessing here. One said a talent is such a large sum of money that it would be about 20 years of labor for minimum wage. So, to put the talent in today's money, a talent would be worth about $300,000. So the first servant gets a million and a half to take care of. And the second one, 600000 and the third one, 300000 Maybe we understand it a little better if you put a dollar figure to it. So they get it. He says, you take care of this. I'm going on a journey, and I'll come back. In the parable, as you know, the master is Jesus. We're the servants. Some are disturbed by the fact that one gets five and one gets less two and one gets one. We may not think it's fair, but did anybody ever tell you life is fair? He knows our abilities, what we can handle, and so they're given differently according to their ability. But because he knew them well, he gave them what they could handle. And that's kind of the way God worked with us. And if he gives us what we have, and then he leaves us alone. Puts it in our hands and say, do it. And he doesn't pester you. He doesn't bother you. Do with what I've given you. Driving back from Indiana from the funeral, I, I thought a lot about what I was doing with what God had given me. I thought about how much better I could do with the time I have given I thought of this story from a business on a wall in Mississippi of a restaurant. Let me read you this. This was to motivate the hardworking owner of the restaurant. You may see, maybe seen this before. It says, when the gazelle wakes up in the morning in Africa, 
It knows that it has to run faster than any lion or it will be killed. When the lion wakes up in the morning, it knows it has to run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will starve. So when you wake up in the morning, run for your life. Isn't that good advice? When you wake up in the morning, run for your life. I think that's what Jesus is telling really in Matthew 25. He's issuing a challenge to the servants. And as we read the story, he's issuing that same kind of challenge to us. Run for your life. Let's see how they do. We don't know how long the master was gone, but he came back to see how they done with his money. And I'm going to read you what happens in his return from chapter 25, beginning at verse 19. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and he settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents, I've made five more. Uh, that's pretty good. If it's a dollar, the million and a half just became three. The master's pretty tickled with that one. The master said, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter to the joy of your master. Good master. Number two. The one with the two talents came forward saying, Master, you had to be two talents? Say, I've made two more. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy to few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter to the joy of your master. Say, Lord, he did great. Now, number three. The one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I know you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here it is. This is yours. The master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, I gather where I don't scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the account from him and give it to the one with him. For to all those who have, more will be given. And they'll have an abundance. But to those who have nothing, even what they have, be taken away. As for the worthless saints, both into the outer darkness, where they'll be weeping and ashes. It's a tough parable, isn't it? It might bother us because sometimes we might identify more with the one that just had the one talent than the one that had the five or the two. But the third guy, he had a wrong view of God. He had his mind made up about what he would do with it before he ever received it. He thought that God was harsh, harsh, difficult, instead of loving A.W. Tozer was right when he said that what we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God and how we relate to Him is the most important thing about us. So I hope all of us realize that God wants us to use what He gave us like the fastest of gazelles. You don't lose your talents by investing. Ben, let's do this when I'm going to turn this. You don't lose your talents by investing. You lose your talents by marrying. When you invest in Him, God will always honor that. The two types of servants that did what they should changed the world. 
And I think about people that use what they had to do their best to change the world. Average people are dedicated to God. I told you some of these friends. I think about Ann Bailey, who in this run, she was talking about gloom. She was on her honeymoon at Daytona Beach, David, maybe in the 50s. Run over by a car on her honeymoon. About the last time she walked, she was walking down the aisle as a bride, and then she had no more ability to walk. And lived the rest of her days until just a few years ago in a wheelchair. And I learned from her joy, hard work, and determination, and vision, and dedication. She started the first wheelchair league of basketball, as far as I know, in Atlanta back here behind. And she was always doing something and always happy. She used what God gave her in a wonderful way. I think about a man in Indiana named Melvin Burns. Melvin was a shadow and just frail, little, tiny, had a blood disorder that he just was wasting away. And when he came to church, and the church had stairs to get to the front door and had a rail, you could see him dragging, pulling himself up the rail. And he always had a pillow under his arm because he had no backside. He had to sit on the pillow when he sat in the pew, but he came. He didn't do anything, he didn't teach, he didn't sing, but he came. And I remember being amazed at his dedication. Little things you notice, we notice, and it just changes us. I think of teachers and youth workers and other people that did so much. And I thought about this story that I found. I've been amazed in orbit about the talented kids that they had. When they did their drama, the genie and I got to see, I, I thought it was older college people, and these were not. And they were fabulous. And if you get a chance to go, go here. But this boy, Antonio, not this Antonio, another Antonio, could not sing. His voice was high and squeaky, and he didn't even make the tryout for the voice choir in his village. So he thought he'd take violin lessons, and he did. He pers the neighbors that had to hear him practice persuaded his parents to make him stop. He was so bad. But he still wanted to make music. His friends gave him a hard time because his only real talent was whittling. So he whittled. And he started to apprentice for a violin maker. And so he started carving violins. And his hobby became his craft. And he worked patiently and faithfully. And by the time he died, he made about 1,500 violins, we think. Each one bearing that label, Antonio Stradivari. They're the most sought-after violins in the world. He couldn't sing. He really couldn't play them. But oh, could he make them. And he changed the world with with what can you do? What can you do? You've heard this before. Our potential is God's gift to us, and what we do with it is our gift back to Him. Zig Ziglar said, "You're the only person on earth that can use your ability." Think about it. You are the only person on earth that can use your ability. 
So don't sit there thinking, I wish I could sing like that, or I wish I could do like they do. You are unique, and you're the only one. And you better use what he did. Because he gave you plenty. So, see what you can do in the next 1,037 days. I challenge you. Actually, God challenges you to climb every mountain. Let's pray.